If you're enjoying The Sleepy Bookshelf, then be sure to check out the other sleepy shows in our network. Get Sleepy has original stories and meditations. I even narrate some of them. Or if you prefer relaxing soundscapes and music, then be sure to check out Deep Sleep Sounds. It's even great for babies too. You can find all of our shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks and sweet dreams. Good evening and welcome to the Sleepy Bookshelf, where we put down our worries from the day and pick up a good book. I'm your host, Elizabeth. It's lovely to be here with you. This evening we'll be continuing with The Great Big Treasury of Beatrix Potter. But first, let's take some time to put the day behind us. Breathe in, and as you exhale, give your body a nice, big stretch. Lie on your back, or stand with your palms facing up. Continue to breathe deeply and evenly at your own pace. Resist the urge to fidget. Just be quietly and peacefully. Feel the weight of your body sink downwards. Release the tension in your neck between your eyebrows. Release the tongue from the roof of your mouth and let your lips part slightly and naturally. Keep breathing evenly as we continue. In our last episode, we heard another three stories. The first was the tale of Benjamin Bunny, in which... Benjamin goes to find his cousin Peter to rescue Peter's clothes from the scarecrow in Mr. McGregor's garden. They end up stuck under a basket with a cat on top of them until Benjamin's father comes to find them, very cross with his son and disappointed in his nephew. The second was called Two Bad Mice and took place in a doll's house. Two little mice, Tom Thumb and his wife, Hunker Munker, came upon the doll's house and found a table set with a decadent meal for two. Excited, they sat down to dig in, but couldn't cut any of the meat or get the fish off the plate. In a rage, they smashed up all the food and even stole furniture to take back to their mouse hole. In penance, on Christmas Eve, Tom Thumb put half a sixpence in the stocking on the mantel, and Hunker Munker comes to sweep the little doll's house every morning. The next story was about a little farm girl named Lucy, who was looking for her lost hankies and pinny. She took a walk and found a little door in the hill behind her farm. Inside, 
It's a perfect little kitchen, home to a very short, prickly-looking lady named Mrs. Ticklemouse, washing and ironing all sorts of funny little animal clothes and Lucy's lost items. When Lucy went to thank Mrs. Ticklemouse, she looked round, only to find a tiny hedgehog running up the hill. Tonight we start our episode with the pie and the patty pan. So just lie back and relax as I turn to our next story in the great big treasury of Beatrix Potter. The Pie and the Patty Pan Pussycat sits by the fire. How should she be fair? In walks the little dog, says, Pussycat, are you there? How do you do, Mistress Pussycat? Mistress Pussycat, how do you do? I thank you kindly, little dog. I fare as well as you. Once upon a time, there was a pussycat called Ribby, who invited a little dog called Duchess to tea. Come in good time, my dear Duchess, said Ribby's letter, and we will have something so very nice, I'm baking it in a pie dish, a pie dish with a pink rim. You never tasted anything so good, and you shall eat it all. I will eat muffins, my dear Duchess, wrote Ribby. I will come very punctually, my dear Ribby, wrote Duchess. And then at the end, she added, I hope it isn't mouse. And then she thought she did not look quite polite. So she scratched out, isn't mouse, and changed it to, I hope it will be fine and she gave her letter to the postman. But she thought a great deal about Ribby's pie, and she read Ribby's letter over and over again. I'm dreadfully afraid it will be mouse, said Duchess to herself. I really couldn't, couldn't eat mouse pie, and I shall have to eat it, because it is a party and my pie was going to be veal and ham, a pink and white pie dish, and so is mine, just like Ribby's dishes. They were both bought at Tabitha Twitchett's. Duchess went into her larder and took the pie off the shelf and looked at it. Oh, what a good idea. Why shouldn't I rush along and put my pie into Ribby's oven when Ribby isn't there. Ribby, in the meantime, had received Duchess's answer, and as soon as she was sure that the little dog would come, she popped her pie into the oven. 
There were two ovens, one above the other. Some other knobs and handles were only ornamental and not intended to open. Ribby put the pie into the lower oven. The door was very stiff. The top oven bakes too quickly, said Ribby to herself. Ribby put on some coal and swept up the hearth. Then she went with a can to the well for water to fill up the kettle. Then she began to set the room in order, for it was the sitting room as well as the kitchen. When Ribby had laid the table, she went out down the field to the farm to fetch milk and butter. When she came back, she peeped into the bottom oven. The pie looked very comfortable. Ribby put on her shawl and bonnet and went out again with a basket to the village shop to buy a packet of tea, a pound of lump sugar, and a pot of marmalade. And just at the same time, Duchess came out of her house at the other end of the village. Ribby met Duchess halfway down the street, also carrying a basket covered with a cloth. They only bowed to one another. They did not speak because they were going to have a party. As soon as Duchess had got round the corner out of sight, she simply ran straight away to Ribby's house. Ribby went into the shop and bought what she required and came out after a pleasant gossip with cousin Tabitha Twitchett. Ribby went on to Timothy Baker's and bought the muffins. Then she went home. There seemed to be a sort of scuffling noise in the back passage as she was coming in at the front door, but there was nobody there. Duchess, in the meantime, had slipped out at the back door. It is a very odd thing that Ribby's pie was not in the oven when I put mine in, and I can't find it anywhere. I've looked all over the house. I put my pie into a nice, hot oven at the top. Could not turn any of the other handles. I think that they are all shams, said Duchess. But I wish I could have removed the pie made of mouse. Cannot think what she has done with it. I heard Ribby coming and I had to run out the back door. Duchess went home and brushed her beautiful black coat. And then she picked a bunch of flowers in her garden as a present for Ribby and passed the time until the clock struck four. Ribby, having assured herself by careful search that there really was no one hiding in the cupboard, or in the larder, went upstairs to change her dress. She came downstairs again and made the tea and put the teapot on the hob. She peeped again into the bottom oven. The pie had become lovely and brown, and it was steaming hot. She sat down before the fire to wait for the little dog. I am glad I used the bottom oven, said Ribby. 
top one would certainly have been much too hot. Very punctually, at four o'clock, Duchess started to go to the party. At a quarter past four to the minute, there came a most genteel little tactivity. Is Mrs. Ribston at home? inquired Duchess in the porch. Come in. How do you do, my dear Duchess? said Ribby. I hope I see you well. Quite well, I thank you. And how do you do, my dear Ribby? said Duchess. I've brought you some flowers. What a delicious smell of pie. Oh, what lovely flowers. Yes, it is mouse and bacon. I think it wants another five minutes, said Ribby. Just a shade longer. I will pour out the tea while we wait. Do you take sugar, my dear Duchess? Oh, yes, please, my dear Ribby. And may I have a lump upon my nose? With pleasure, my dear Duchess. Duchess sat up with the sugar on her nose and sniffed. How good that pie smells. I do love veal and ham. I mean, to say, mouse and bacon. She dropped the sugar in confusion and had to go hunting under the tea table, so she did not see which oven Ribby opened in order to get out the pie. Ribby set the pie upon the table. There was a very savoury smell. Duchess came out from under the tablecloth, munching sugar, and sat up on a chair. I will first cut the pie for you. I'm going to have a muffin and marmalade, said Ribby. I think, thought Duchess to herself, I think it would be wiser if I helped myself to pie. But Ribby did not seem to notice anything when she was cutting it. What very small, fine pieces it has cooked into. I did not remember that I had minced it up so fine. I suppose this is a quicker oven than my own. The pie dish was emptying rapidly. Duchess had had four helps already and was fumbling with the spoon. A little more bacon, my dear Duchess, said Ribby. Thank you, my dear Ribby. I was only feeling for the patty pan. The patty pan, my dear Duchess? The patty pan that held up the pie crust, said Duchess, blushing under her black coat. Oh, I didn't put one in, my dear Duchess, said Ribby. I don't think it is necessary in pies made of mouse. Duchess fumbled with the spoon. I can't find it, she said anxiously. There isn't a patty pan, said Ribby looking perplexed. Yes, indeed, my Ribby. Where can it have gone to? said Duchess. Duchess looked very much alarmed and continued to scoop the inside of the pie dish. I have only four patty pans and they are all in the cupboard. Duchess set up a howl. I shall die. Oh, I shall die. 
I have swallowed a patty pan. Oh, my dear Ribby, I do feel so ill. It is impossible, my dear Duchess. There was not a patty pan. Yes, there was, my dear Ribby. I am sure I have swallowed it. Let me prop you up with a pillow, my dear Duchess. Where do you think you feel it? Oh, I do feel so ill all over me, my dear Ribby. Shall I run for the doctor? Oh, yes. Yes, fetch Dr. Maggotty, my dear Ribby. He is a pie himself. He will certainly understand. Ribby settled Duchess in an armchair before the fire and went out and hurried to the village to look for the doctor. She found him at the smithy. Ribby explained that her guest had swallowed a patty pan. Dr. Maggotty hopped so fast that Ribby had to run. It was most conspicuous. All the village could see that Ribby was fetching the doctor. But while Ribby had been hunting for the doctor, a curious thing had happened to Duchess, who had been left by herself, sitting before the fire, sighing and groaning and feeling very unhappy. How could I have swallowed it? Such a large thing as a patty pan. She sat down again and stared mournfully at the grate. The fire crackled and danced, and something sizzled. Duchess started. She opened the door of the top oven, out came a rich, steamy flavour of veal and ham, and there stood a fine brown pie, and through a hole in the top of the pie crust was a glimpse of a little tin patty pan. Duchess drew a long breath. Then I must have been eating. Mouse! No wonder I feel ill. But perhaps I should feel worse if I had really swallowed a patty pan, Duchess reflected. What a very awkward thing to have to explain to Ribby. I think I will put my pie in the backyard and say nothing about it. When I go home, I will run round and take it away. She put it outside by the back door and sat down again by the fire and shut her eyes. When Ribby arrived with the doctor, she seemed fast asleep. I'm feeling very much better, said Duchess, waking up with a jump. I'm truly glad to hear it. He has brought you a pill, my dear Duchess. I think I should feel quite well, if he'd only feel my pulse, said Duchess backing away from the magpie who sidled up with something in his beak. It is only a bread pill. You had much better take it. Drink a little milk, my dear Duchess. I'm feeling very much better, my dear Ribby, said Duchess. Do not think I had better go home before it gets dark. Perhaps it might be wise, my dear Duchess. 
Ribby and Duchess said goodbye affectionately, and Duchess started home. Halfway up the lane, she stopped and looked back. Ribby had gone in and shut her door. Duchess slipped through the fence and ran round to the back of Ribby's house and peeped into the yard. Upon the roof of the pigsty sat Dr. Maggotty and three jackdaws. The jackdaws were eating pie crust and the magpie was drinking gravy out of the patty pan. Duchess ran home feeling uncommonly silly. When Ribby came out for a pail full of water to wash up the tea things, she found a pink and white pie dish lying smashed in the middle of the yard. Ribby stared with amazement. Did you ever see the like? So there really was a patty pan. But my patty pans are all in the kitchen cupboard. Well, I never did. Next time I want to give a party, I will invite Cousin Tabitha Twitchit. The Tale of Jeremy Fisher For Stephanie from Cousin B. Once upon a time, there was a frog called Mr. Jeremy Fisher. He lived in a little damp house amongst the buttercups at the edge of a pond. The water was all slippy sloppy in the larder and in the back passage, but Mr. Jeremy liked getting his feet wet. Nobody ever scolded him, and he never caught a cold. He was quite pleased when he looked out and saw large drops of rain splashing in the pond. I will get some worms and go fishing and catch a dish of minnows for my dinner, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. If I catch more than five fish, I will invite my friends Mr. Alderman Telemi Tortoise and Sir Isaac Newton. The alderman, however, eats salad. Mr. Jeremy put on a Macintosh and a pair of shiny galoshes. He took his rod and basket and set off with enormous hops to the place where he kept his boat. His boat was round and green and very like the other lily leaves. It was tied to a water plant in the middle of the pond. Mr. Jeremy took out a reed pole and pushed the boat out into the open water. I know a good place for minnows, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. Mr. Jeremy stuck his pole into the mud and fastened the boat to it. Then he settled himself cross-legged, and arranged his fishing tackle. He had the dearest little red float. His rod was a tough stalk of grass. His line was a fine, long, white horsehair, and he tied a little wriggling worm at the end. 
The rain trickled down his back, and for nearly an hour he stared at the float. Oh, this is getting tiresome. I think I should like some lunch, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. He punted back again amongst the water plants and took some lunch out of his basket. I will eat a butterfly sandwich and will wait till the shower is over, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. A great big water beetle came up underneath the lily leaf and tweaked the toe of one of his galoshes. Mr. Jeremy crossed his legs up shorter, out of reach, and went on eating his sandwich. Once or twice, something moved about with a rustle and a splash amongst the rushes at the side of the pond. I trust that is not a rat, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. I think I had better get away from here. Mr. Jeremy shoved the boat out again a little way and dropped in the bait. There was a bite almost directly. The float gave a tremendous bobbit. A minnow! A minnow! I have him by the nose! said Mr. Jeremy Fisher, jerking up his rod. But what a horrible surprise. Instead of a smooth, fat minnow, Mr. Jeremy had landed little Jack Sharp, the stickleback, covered with spines. The stickleback floundered about the boat, pricking and snapping until he was quite out of breath. Then he jumped back into the water. And a shoal of other little fishes put their heads out and laughed at Mr. Jeremy Fisher. And while Mr. Jeremy sat disconsolately on the edge of his boat, sucking his sore fingers and peering down into the water, a much worse thing happened. A really frightful thing it would have been if Mr. Jeremy had not been wearing a Macintosh. A great, big, enormous trout came up flop with a splash and it seized Mr. Jeremy with a snap and then it turned and dived down to the bottom of the pond but the trout was so displeased with the taste of the Macintosh that in less than half a minute it spat him out again and the only thing it swallowed was Mr. Jeremy's galoshes Mr. Jeremy bounced up to the surface of the water like a cork and their bubbles out of a soda water bottle, and he swam with all his might to the edge of the pond. He scrambled out on the first bank he came to, and he hopped home across the meadow with his Macintosh all in tatters. What a mercy that was not a pike! said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. I've lost my rod and basket, but it does not much matter, for I'm sure I should never have dared to go fishing again. 
He put some sticking plaster on his fingers, and his friends both came to dinner. He could not offer them fish, but he had something else in his larder. Sir Isaac Newton wore his black and gold waistcoat, and Mr. Alderman Telemi Tortoise brought a salad with him in a string bag. And instead of a nice dish of minnows, they had roasted grasshopper with ladybird sauce, which frogs consider a beautiful treat, but I think it must have been nasty. The story of a fierce, bad rabbit. This is a fierce, bad rabbit. Look at his savage whiskers and his claws and his turned-up tail. This is a nice, gentle rabbit. His mother has given him a carrot. The bad rabbit would like some carrot. He doesn't say please. He takes it and he scratches the good rabbit very badly. The good rabbit creeps away and hides in a hole. It feels sad. This is a man with a gun. He sees something sitting on a bench. He thinks it is a very funny bird. He comes creeping up behind the trees and then he shoots. Bang! This is what happens. But this is all he finds on the bench when he rushes up with his gun. The good rabbit peeps out of its hole and it sees the bad rabbit tearing past without any whiskers. The Story of Miss Moppet This is a pussycat called Miss Moppet, and she thinks she has heard a mouse. This is the mouse, peeping out behind the cupboard and making fun of Miss Moppet. He is not afraid of a kitten. This is Miss Moppet, jumping just too late. She misses the mouse and hits her own head. She thinks it is a very hard cupboard. The mouse watches Miss Moppet from the top of the cupboard. Miss Moppet ties up her head in a duster and sits before the fire. The mouse thinks she is looking very ill. He comes sliding down the bell pool. Miss Moppet looks worse and worse. The mouse comes a little nearer. Miss Moppet holds her poor head in her paws and looks at him through a hole in the duster. The mouse comes very close. And then all of a sudden, Miss Moppet jumps upon the mouse. And because the mouse has teased Miss Moppet, Miss Moppet thinks she will tease the mouse, which is not at all nice of Miss Moppet. She ties him up in the duster 
and tosses it about like a ball. But she forgot about the hole in the duster, and when she untied it, there was no mouse. He has wriggled out and run away, and he is dancing a jig on top of the cupboard. The Tale of Tom Kitten Dedicated to all pickles, especially those that get upon my garden wall. Once upon a time, there were three little kittens, and their names were Mittens, Tom Kitten, and Moppet. They had dear little fur coats of their own, and they tumbled about the doorstep and played in the dust. But one day, their mother, Mrs. Tabitha Twitchett, expected friends to tea. So she fetched the kittens indoors to wash and dress them before the fine company arrived. First, she scrubbed their faces. This one is Moppet. Then she brushed their fur. This one is Mittens. Then she combed their tails and whiskers. This is Tom Kitten. Tom was very naughty and he scratched. Mrs. Tabitha dressed Moppet and Mittens in clean pinafores and tuckers. Then she took all sorts of elegant, uncomfortable clothes out of chest of drawers in order to dress up her son, Thomas. Tom Kitten was very fat, and he had grown. Several buttons burst off. His mother sewed them on again. When the three kittens were ready, Mrs. Tabitha unwisely turned them out into the garden to be out of the way while she made hot buttered toast. Now keep your frocks clean, children. You must walk on your hind legs. Keep away from the dirty ash pit, and from Sally Hennypenny, and from the pigsty and the puddle ducks. Moppet and Mittens walked down the garden path unsteadily. Presently, they trod upon their pinafores and fell on their noses. When they stood up, there were several green smears. Let us climb up the rockery and sit on the garden wall, said Moppet. They turned their pinafores back to front and went up with a skip and a jump. Moppet's white tucker fell down into the road. Tom Kitten was quite unable to jump when walking upon his hind legs in trousers. He came to the rockery by degrees breaking the ferns and shedding buttons right and left. He was all in pieces when he reached the top of the wall. Moppet and Mittens tried to pull him together. His hat fell off and the rest of his buttons burst. While they were in difficulties, there was a pit-pat-paddle-pat and three puddle ducks came along the hard, high road, marching one behind the other and doing the goose step. Pit, pat, 
paddle pat, pit pat, waddle pat. They stopped and stood in a row and stared up at the kittens. They had very small eyes and looked surprised. Then the two duck birds, Rebecca and Jemima Puddle Duck, picked up the hat and tucker and put them on. Mittens laughed so hard she fell off the wall. Moppet and Tom descended after her. The pinafores and all the rest of Tom's clothes came off on the way down. Come, Mr. Drake Puddle Duck, said Moppet. Come and help us to dress him. Come and button up Tom. Mr. Drake Puddle Duck advanced in a slow, sideways manner and picked up the various articles. But he put them on himself. They fitted him even worse than Tom Kitten. It's a very fine morning, said Mr. Drake Puddle Duck. And he and Jemima and Rebecca Puddle Duck set off up the road, keeping step. Paddle pat, pit pat, waddle pat. Then Tabitha Twitchit came down the garden and found her kittens on the wall with no clothes on. She pulled them off the wall, smacked them, and took them back into the house. My friends will arrive in a minute, and you are not fit to be seen. I am affronted, said Mrs. Tabitha Twitchit. She sent them upstairs, and I'm sorry to say, she told her friends they were in bed with the measles, which was not true. Quite the contrary, they were not in bed, not in the least. Somehow, there were very extraordinary noises overhead, which disturbed the dignity and repose of the tea party, and I think Someday I shall have to make another, larger book to tell you more about Tom Kitten. As for the puddle ducks, they went into a pond. The clothes all came off directly, because there were no buttons. And Mr. Drake, Puddle Duck, and Jemima, and Rebecca have been looking for them ever since.